this on June 12th, 2022 at 11 a.m. So by the time you hear this, the Tampa Bay Lightning and Colorado Avalanche are battling it out in the 2022 Stanley Cup Finals. Or if you're listening to this way in the future, either Tampa has three-peated and nobody cared, or the Avs have finally lived up to the level we've been talking them up for the past two or three years. Welcome to the Battle of Alberta podcast, the hockey show that no longer has any horses in the race besides bitterness and complacency. I'm the Oilers fan, Stuart Jones, filled with bitterness. And with me is Darren Plett, the Flames fan, who is probably just at the point of complacency by now. Yeah, I'll take I'll bet on complacency. That's my horse <laughs> now for the rest of the season. I'll take mm-hmm. it. How are you, Stu? uh bitter bitter and yeah i figured (laughs) you know this this also described our feelings of like either teams winning like i guess we'll talk more about the stanley cup finals and our predictions for that round in a bit but i don't know about you but i'm at the point of like i'm at the bitterness i don't really want colorado to win but i also really don't care about tampa three-peating and don't really want them to win either so i figure this was a good description of my attitude i don't know if you feel the same probably not the same bitterness against colorado anyways true no i i do not feel bitter against colorado in any way <laughs> i feel indebted to them forever uh but I, yeah i guess we'll talk about it when we get there but i don't really feel complacent i'm actually kind of excited for this oh, for okay. this finals but uh I guess we have to start with some postmortems first, you know, mourn the losses of of those we will not see in the playoffs again. <laughs> this year. Let's let's not get too hazy. Yeah. That seemed very permanent yeah. the way you phrased this it. This year. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, let's just start in the east where it's a little less painful. Uh Tampa uh did what we both thought Tampa would eventually do. I believe the last time we were recording, Rangers were up 2-0 in the series, and neither of us thought that was uh, <laughs> a very permanent, uh, you know, lasting thing. Sure enough, we were right. Tampa uh, ended up winning four straight against the Rangers, beat them in six, doing what Tampa does. Like, I don't know, do you have much to say about this series? It's kind of what we thought would happen, aside from the first two wins for the the Rangers. Not a ton to say. I am pretty proud of us because we both were bang on. Even our intro said, by the time you hear this, New York's blown their 2-0 lead. That's exactly (laughs) what happened. This might be the first time in Battle of Alberta podcast history where we both very confidently called something that absolutely happened just like we thought it would that's pretty mm-hmm. rare for us so i mean i i never felt confident in new york i felt slightly hopeful in new york but uh as soon as tampa won i'll say the second game and it was tied 2-2 for me that was the death blow it was mm-hmm. like there was a zero percent chance that new york was winning that after it was tied 2-2 because it just felt like tampa you know, got back on their horse and was being Tampa again. And New York kind of missed their missed their chance at the vulnerability that was there for two games. Or I guess they took their chance, but it didn't last long enough for them to fully take advantage. So, mm-hmm. you know, and and uh, you see all the stats like Vasilevsky in game sevens, which I think we brought up before, but... In the last seven uh, game sevens now, he let, let in one goal 
or uh, elimination games sorry is yeah, elimination yeah, yeah. Game, right? series clinching games yeah they, yeah they don't last till seven they yeah. wipe seven out teams games. way earlier than that <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> tampa basketball is probably like what's game seven i didn't know they went that far <laughs> yeah yeah we did one of those against toronto and i did not like it so yeah <laughs> true <laughs> Yeah, in elimination games, he's let in one goal in the last seven games. So it just feels like once Tampa gets to that point, there's literally no hope for the other team. So, uh, yeah, just kind of almost never in doubt. It was slightly doubtful there. But as I said, we both, if, if the two of us recording a hockey podcast that very few people listen to can can figure that one out i feel like it was almost never in doubt yeah i one thing i will slightly disagree with i think for me after game after game four tampa had tied it up i don't think the rangers chances were at zero in my mind it was like five or ten percent still because they were then going to go back home and the rangers had been doing well at home this playoffs um like i said that the the chances were still not high because tampa was you know being tampa and they were on their roll but then once they lost to tampa again at home you know ended up being three in a row yeah and going back to tampa for game six yeah no that then it definitely did not look good yeah i i'm kind of surprised at how far the rangers made it i feel like a lot of people are surprised too because they're they've yeah. always like i forget how many years ago it was three or four years ago where they Made, they made a public announcement that they were rebuilding, which was kind of weird. <laughs> Teams don't yeah. really do that. And then, uh, yeah, the Rangers had a first overall pick, which was Alex Lafreniere, and he hasn't really popped yet like you would expect a first overall pick to. And then they had a second overall pick, which was Capo Caco, and he was scratched in the last game against Tampa, which, and, and I mean, <laughs> he's also had a difficult start to his career, but. New York's still in the conference final, even despite semi-blowing two picks like that. I don't think they're blown yet because they're still quite young. But, mm-hmm. you know, they haven't panned out quite like they expected. And it, it hasn't mattered because they have Shesterkin and Chris Kreider and Mika Zibanejad have shown up as star players. And it's just been kind of interesting to view from afar as this team that's supposed to be rebuilding has suddenly made it to the conference final in their third or fourth year of again quote rebuilding yeah and the craziest part about that to me is shesterkin because you know the rangers basically announced that whole rebuild on like what was going to be essentially lundquist last year and it was kind of like you know we we took our shot with lundquist and we've given up on that and of course he was an amazing goalie and it would be just utterly inconceivable to be able to replace him in such a quick manner with someone who could be as good as Shesterkin has been for them. Um, you know, Shesterkin's got a long way to go before he has the lasting legacy of Lundqvist, but obviously he made a huge difference in this playoff. So that was the biggest surprise to me is that that's kind of worked, I guess, for lack of a better word, yeah. that Lundqvist, that somehow they had another option in net. <laughs> Yeah, they just had, you know, one of the best goalies in the NHL laying around that they could put in the net. And also, they got gifted Adam Fox, which I could talk about for a while, but I won't because that's just annoying, you know, because the Flames <laughs> drafted him. But anyways, uh, we have something less annoying for me to talk about anyway, and that is the playoff series that happened in the West. Stu, do you have any thoughts about this? Yeah, so <laughs> Totally. 
So I guess for those of you who didn't hear, Colorado ended up beating the Oilers. I don't remember exactly how many games it was. I don't think it was a significant uh, milestone of number of games. Okay, they swept them. Uh, it was four games, yeah. So <laughs> obviously that hurts to say out loud. I have a little bit of a side pain right now for unknown reason. Um, you know, we both figured that Colorado would beat the Oilers. Uh, you more hopefully than me, me more bittering, bitterly than you. But um, I, I don't know about you, but I didn't think they would sweep. Uh, I originally said they'd do it in six. After I saw the Oilers play some hockey against Colorado, I changed it to five. Then I saw them play them a little, play a little bit more, and I thought, okay, maybe six. But ultimately, what I saw in that series was what I was hearing from you about the Flames against the Oilers. I saw glimmers of hope and like 20 minutes a game maybe of really good play. And it was exciting. And I think they have a chance to be a better team than Colorado. But because they can only do that for 20 minutes in a game... It's just not going to last, right? I, you know, there's there's hope for the future. I think the Oilers are could be on their way, depending on changes that happen, to being a good team like Colorado. But um, yeah, no, they were not. It was not an evenly matched series. No, and I didn't technically pick a sweep, but I do remember saying that the Homer inside of me wanted to pick a sweep. <laughs> Well, that's just as good of a prediction as anything. <laughs> yeah, right? I, that's what I felt deep inside, but I rallied against it because I thought that that was unfair of me, but it turns out <laughs> I was right all along. Maybe I should trust my instincts when it comes to disliking Edmonton. But um, yeah, trying to be trying to be fair about it, um, Edmonton did put up more of a fight than I think a sweep would indicate. Mm. Uh, I think that's generally the case for sweeps is they look really bad because it's four games to none, but the games can be closer than, <laughs> you know, it's not a blowout every game. And I think that Colorado was just more consistent and had more answer, like more consistent answers against Edmonton, like Kale McCarr, who I'm sure Oilers fans are sick about hearing of now, just like <laughs> everyone else is sick about hearing of McDavid, you know, uh, Kale McCarr got his got his limelight a plenty in that series, and I, he deserved it because he had the fun task of shutting down McDavid, and McCarr ended up playing like a thousand minutes a night or whatever, making up for some defenseman that Colorado didn't really want to put on the ice ever, <laughs> mostly <laughs> named Johnson. Uh, but yeah, it's, I I think that Colorado did a much better job of corralling McDavid and obviously we know that Dreisaitl was not at 100% which really really hurts Edmonton's chances and then Edmonton needed the rest of their forwards to step up and they didn't quite get enough there so you know I don't think Colorado absolutely steamroll crushed the Edmonton into the ground but I mean it was still a sweep I do have a bit of a bone to pick with Edmonton because we all we all hear the cliche of having injuries isn't an excuse because everyone has them. And mm -hmm. people say that all the time in the playoffs and you hear it and you're like, yeah, yeah, whatever. But it is true. It, you can't use that as a defense against your play, I don't think, just because 
in the playoffs ever like everyone has a few players that are half dead and still playing for some unfathomable reason like nurse yeah. and dry i like obviously that's a problem because those two guys were playing hurt and i'm sure there were other injuries around the team that we don't even know about but the oilers seem to use that as more or maybe not even the oilers but like sportsnet for the oilers seem to use that as more of a defense for the Oilers than anyone else and expected Hmm. fans of other teams to just buy that. And like, (laughs) if you're going to do that for the Oilers, then you have to do that for every team. Like if you, if the flames got beat by the Oilers, then aren't you going to sit there and go, Oh, uh, but Tanev was injured and they've been missing Monaghan for most of the season. And uh, there was like Kachuk had a broken hand and like on and on. It's just the constant. And, it just kind of bugged me for the Oilers that nurse sat up there in his press conference and was like, Oh, but guys, did you know that I had a torn hip flexor? Of course we lost. And then Sportsnet <laughs> was like, Hey, did you guys know dry was hurt and all these things were wrong with him? It's like, yeah, like dry was toughing it out through a lot of crap, but Colorado was missing guys too. And yeah, those guys mm-hmm. weren't dry but they lost Kadri, which is a pretty big blow. And they were down a defenseman, and they didn't have their starting goalie. Like, they yeah. played with their backup the whole series. So, I don't know if that was something that jumped out at you. Maybe that's just me, because I'm a bitter Flames fan. And uh, maybe I'm reading too far into it, but I was kind of miffed that that was used as an excuse for the Oilers. And maybe you can tell me if I'm wrong or not. Yeah, I don't know. Like... I, I'm definitely hearing it with different ears than you are. I, I never, um, I can't say I heard anyone claim that like it as an excuse. I don't think anyone could even possibly make the claim that like had Dreisaitl and Nurse been at 100%. Well, that's the key factor. They would have been fine against Colorado. Like, no, no one could make that argument. Um but you know, it's it's just is what it is. I did see a couple of um, you know packets where they were saying like, you know, look how bad uh, Drysital is. Like every time he gets like touched, he's like limping. He's like groaning. His face looks like miserable hell. And uh, but you know, he's still toughing it out. Which whatever. That's um, you know impressive to see any professional athlete do that. But yeah, I guess. It doesn't make I, I agree, it doesn't make sense to say that like that's that's a deciding factor for this team, but not mention it for other teams either. But again, I don't really know. I didn't notice any imbalance, but you're right, I'd be looking at it differently than you would. Yeah. And I'm willing to admit that maybe it's just my bias, but that was something <laughs> that's that stuck out a little bit to me. And obviously I do think uh a healthy dry saddle changes things, changes outcomes. But, yeah, uh, for sure. But maybe not as drastically as Sportsnet thinks it will. <laughs> yeah. And and uh, regardless, I agree with some things you said, and that's Edmonton has shown they're a good team. I mean, you don't really fluke your way to a conference final. You can get an easier path there, and I feel like the Kings and the flames weren't <laughs> weren't big enough roadblocks, but that still doesn't mean that Edmonton wasn't a good team that got to the conference final. So yeah, if they have, if Holland 
does less Holland like things and has a good <laughs> off season. <laughs> I think, I think the Oilers could be dangerous, but uh, I will point out that the Oilers cap situation looks pretty grim. So it's going to take some pretty savvy GMing and money management to get them to a Colorado depth kind of a level, in my opinion. Yeah, it's going to take a while. It's not something that can all be done in July of this year. Um, but I do want to like defend Holland a little bit. Holland has made some great moves for this team. And a lot of what is still cap issues are still Torelli moves. <laughs> so, you know, Holland cannot take total blame. Yes, he's not perfect. Nobody is. But, uh, you know, I just want to make sure we're aware that like oh, Holland is an improvement from what we've seen in the past. So <laughs> let's not just run him out of town with bed forks and torches just yet. <laughs> that is a low bar though. Fair, I might be an improvement enough. over what was there in the past. <laughs> All right. Touche. Touche. <laughs> well, I'm sure we'll talk more about uh, off season moves in the off season. You and I will both dissect our teams and, pretend that we know what we're talking about and how we would do it so much better than the professionals who get paid millions. But oh, in the yeah. meantime, Easy. I guess let's talk about the Stanley cup finals, right? Yeah. There's a thing that's going to happen that apparently you don't care about. It's not that I don't care. It's just, I'm struggling to know who I want or what <laughs> I want to happen. Okay. Like, I do not understand. There are a lot of people like this. I do not understand the mentality of being beaten by the champs is like a good thing. Like a lot uh. of people, like, I don't know, maybe are you one of these people? Like, I, I know you wouldn't be if the Oilers were in the finals, <laughs> yeah. for sure. But like that aside, if if you if the Flames had beaten the Oilers and then lost to Colorado would you be wanting Colorado to win? Let's even take Tampa out of the equation against anyone else in the East that's not Tampa. I would to imagine all those hypotheticals. I, yeah, wow, the Flames <laughs> making it to the to, sorry the conference fight. Um, let me process that. Uh, no, I know what you're talking about, and mm -hmm. I think for me it's kind of a coping mechanism more than anything because. I don't think I would be cheering for Colorado and I wouldn't be wanting them to win. But if they did, I <laughs> would I would view it as okay, we lost to the team that won. That's not so bad, right? It's yeah. not that I'm actively rooting for them. It's that at the end of the day, we didn't do that bad if we lost to the team that won the Stanley Cup. And I it's more of like a convincing myself that it's not so bad <laughs> than anything <laughs> yeah okay that that's fair yeah i just don't understand the people who are like okay well now that colorado beat edmonton there are oilers fans probably not a majority of them but there are definitely some they're like well you know got cheer for colorado then we got beat <laughs> by the champs like no i i just cannot cheer for colorado at this point in the uh in my life <laughs> uh yeah. but at the same time do I really want Tampa to just three-peat and like no new cup? Uh, like, I, I just don't know. I care. I'm interested. I may watch some of it, <laughs> but I just don't know what I want to happen. For me, and I said this at the beginning of the show, I'm actually excited because I originally thought that a dynasty would be boring. Um, 
it's like when it's a team that I don't care about because I got to see a bit of a dynasty because I'm a San Antonio Spurs fan and dynasties are pretty wicked when it's your team that's doing it. <laughs> yes. Um, but I thought that watching another team start a dynasty would suck in the NHL. But I think it's because it's a team that I that's removed from my conference and everything removed from mm. the West that it's interesting to me because it's kind of fun to for the NHL to have a boogeyman to beat. Mm. Um, it's kind of fun to see Tampa just roll through everyone and kind of be like, okay, who's going to beat us? Like they've won uh, 11 playoff series in a row. Is someone going to beat them? Uh, is someone going to figure out how to build a team that can take out Tampa? When does Tampa become bad? Cause I think we've just kind of assumed that in the salary cap era, it's impossible to sustain winning like Tampa has, but they've showed people that it's not like, I think, I don't know if I would call them a dynasty until they win the cup this year. I don't know if like, there's kind of, it's kind of hard to draw a hard line on that, but yeah. I'd say a, th- a three-peat is definitely a, d- a dynasty, right? Um, yeah. So they've shown that it's sustainable. You can do it. You can do it in a cap era. It takes some gymnastics with money, but, <laughs> And <laughs> incurring the hate of other fan bases that think you're cheating, but it can be done. And for that reason, I think it's kind of cool to see if they win this year, I think they're going to be the big time villain. Like it's going to go from, oh, wow, Tampa's good. And they're the team to beat to someone's got to beat Tampa and stop them because mm-hmm. they won't be stopped. And I don't know, that's kind of a fun storyline to to yeah. behold as a fan as long as it's not like a direct rival <laughs> yes <laughs> that would that would be pretty frustrating so yeah i'm interested to see that and because i i don't feel hatred like i really love what colorado did i love your work colorado good stuff <laughs> love to see it uh, i think that makes this much more entertaining for me than you because i what I saw from Colorado is that they're quite a good team and they have the horses to stop a highly offensive team. And now it's time to see if they can uh, battle with Tampa. Who's just all around good. They have the offense, they have the defense, they have the best goalie in the world. Um, So it's, it'll be cool to see if this Colorado team that we think is super highly powered can take down this boogeyman juggernaut that, tampa's made themselves into so for me it's actually a pretty interesting storyline mm-hmm. yeah i i definitely agree <clears throat> i definitely agree uh pulling my feelings aside if possible i'll try if possible <laughs> um Colorado is a good team and a fun team to watch for sure. Obviously, you and I have been talking them up for years now saying like they're <laughs> yep. they're going to go far. They like they've got this. We've been predicting they win all these series that they haven't. They just keep letting us down. Uh we've enjoyed uh watching them rise. Uh so again, if like again, had like the Oilers lost to uh, I can't like obviously if the Oilers lost to the Flames and then Colorado beat the Flames, well then I'd I'd be in the same position you are, be like, oh yeah, I love Colorado and everything they do, <laughs> great team. But like, yeah, let's you know, even if the Oilers and Flames didn't even make the playoffs this year, Colorado making it to the finals would yeah be super interesting, super entertaining for me. 
Um, and, and it will be an entertaining series, I think. I hope that's not such a bold prediction, but uh, I think it will be an entertaining series. I am looking forward to watching some of it. And, and you know, the way you've uh, described the, the Tampa storyline makes me feel a bit better about about wanting Tampa to win over Colorado because ultimately my feelings still remain. I cannot want Colorado to win. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, uh, you know, you, you've sold me a little bit more on, okay, Tampa winning one more, you know, just elevates that. If they get into like four, five, six, okay, that might just get a little <laughs> a bit, bit much. dull. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, one more really puts them over the line of like, wow, you got two in a row to that was a dynasty. Um, so yeah, uh, it, it will be a good series, no doubt. Um, but I cannot remove myself from my emotions, so I cannot cheer for Colorado to win. <laughs> I think that's perfectly understandable. And... <laughs> And how often do we actually get to see actual best on best, like consensus best teams against each other? Because I feel like an underdog generally makes it to the finals. Last year, Montreal made it, and I think we all knew what was going to happen there. And the yeah. year before that, it was Dallas, which was kind of a head scratcher. Uh, everyone was like, uh, Dallas? <laughs> okay. You know, they did it. They did pretty well, but it was really unexpected for them to be there. Mm-hmm. But this time, it's the teams that we were all expecting, finally. So these are the teams that we know are the best, and we have been talking up as the best. So I think that watching those two teams duke it out, we're, in, we're really, really expected to have a good series, and I don't think they will disappoint us in that regard. I don't think we will get a... Montreal underdog run to the final only for them to fizzle out with Colorado. I think that it will be much more entertaining than that. And with that said, do you have a prediction for the, for the final? I do. I am. I cannot promise this is not, um, influenced by my non desire for Colorado (laughs) to win. Uh, but I'm trying to be objective, and I honestly do think Tampa is just Tampa. Like, we saw them have more difficulty with the Leafs than maybe some people expected. But as we begrudgingly admitted on this show a couple episodes back, the Leafs are actually a good team, so that's not too surprising. Uh, we didn't see them struggle at all with the Panthers, which maybe many people thought they would have a little bit of issue, and they ended up sweeping them. We did see them struggle a tiny bit in the first two games against the Rangers, which seemed surprising again. But all that to say, Tampa Bay doesn't seem like the team that gets tired and weary after you know, these losses or these series, they seem to get stronger and more powerful and scarier than ever. Every time they keep going, every time they lose one, they get more angry. And every time they win one, they remember how awesome they are and continue to use all of that fuel. So I don't think they're as weak as some of their results may have shown, which doesn't even show them very weak. That seems like a ridiculous sentence to even say. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I, I think it's going to be a very hard fight for Colorado. I think Colorado is going to put up a fight. This is not going to be a sweep, I don't think. Uh, I think it's going to go probably to about six games. 
Uh, but I think Tampa is going to win it in the end just because they have that, uh, that experience uh, in the team, in the t- players for the past couple of years. Colorado uh, hasn't even made it to the finals yet. Um, so that, you know, it, it, that does matter. It does make a difference. So whether I'm right or not, it will be a different story, but that's my thought. And I'm fairly certain it's objective, but I cannot guarantee that. <laughs> <laughs> well, Stu, if there's one lesson we've learned from the playoffs, I think it's that the best goalie wins. Mm. Unless it's yes. Mike Smith. <laughs> that Mike Smith was a bit of an outlier, but in general, <laughs> the team with the best goalie wins the playoff yeah. series. And there isn't a better goalie than Vasilevsky. And I do wonder about Colorado's goaltending a little bit. They don't know if Kemper's going to play. Uh, they, I, apparently he's ready, but Franco's played so well that apparently Colorado's thinking of playing him, which is kind of, I think, kind of a red flag that they're considering their backup over their starter. That means to me that they don't see Kemper as like a bona fide perfect starter that you're just going to throw mm. in no matter what. And I've always been suspect of their goaltending because uh, Kemper to me isn't necessarily a proven goalie yet. He had a good year and then became that goalie that everyone wanted. And he's playing behind a very good team, which can make you seem like a very good goalie, but it doesn't necessarily mean you are. So mm. um, because of that, and because Patrick Maroon has won 14 playoff series in a row and he plays for Tampa, <laughs> I'm also going to pick Tampa. Uh, I'm going to take him in seven. Um, but I just, I yeah, for a lot of the reasons you outlined too, I have a hard time picking Colorado because it's their first time to the big dance. You know, they've been working away at it for a while, but um, I still think that the moment's going to be a bit big for them. Um, their defense as good as it was against Edmonton will be a bit more suspect against the lightning because they lean so heavily on their top pairing um, that I think that we'll have to catch up to them eventually. You know, if you're too Mm -hmm. scared to run out your worst two defensemen, then that's, that's not good. (laughs) You know, you need everyone to pick up minutes in the playoffs, uh, especially against a team like the lightning. So I think it's, going to be an awesome battle but i do think that the lightning will take it in seven and become become the dynasty after beating a super good team and i don't think if anyone had any excuses for tampa winning their two series before like montreal was too easy or you know anything like that i think after this year if they beat colorado that is all going to be completely silenced and we are all going to know that tampa is without a doubt the best team in this league yeah totally agree also, people who have that asterisk next to them for the lockout year. No, we, we already discussed that. That ain't have, that ain't a thing. It, it was nope. a real championship. And yeah, I, I agree that this will really cement um, the naysayers, although naysayers usually stick to their guns for no good reason. So maybe not. Yeah. But they don't, also, need, they don't I, need reasons. Also, of course, you mentioned the Patrick Maroon element. How could I have forgotten? You know, I I believe I made my annual prediction of whoever has Patrick Maroon come year end or come trade deadline, I guess, is uh, is going to win the cup. So, yeah, of course, that's a factor. It's definitely going to be a sweep now. No, no, just kidding. It's Well, it's the Maroon blessing versus the Perry curse because Corey Perry has lost two finals in a row. He was on Dallas and Montreal. Oh. 
So yes, if he loses this one, he will be the first player in NHL history to lose in the finals three years in a row with different teams. Wow, so, that, uh, that's got to hurt. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see whose streak wins out. Now it is time for Sellies and Scorn. Stu, which do you want to lead us off with this time? Uh, I'm going to start off with my Selly. So my my Selly, uh, forgetting the Oilers to the conference finals for the first time in 16 years, head coach Dave Tippett. Wait, what? Sorry, they, they made a <laughs> mid-season replacement. Okay, all right, interesting. Yeah, no, the Selly is actually for Jay Woodcroft, who took over midway through the season. Um, obviously, the playoffs playoff record is is a playoff record, so I feel like that's a different story. And yeah, they did not win the cup by any stretch, but I think they did quite well in the first two rounds of the playoffs. But in the regular season... Uh, Woody took over for the last 38 games of the season and the Oilers had an impressive record in that time of 26-9-3, uh, which is darn impressive. And Tibbet to that point had them with a 23-18-3, so not great, basically 500. So, you know, we're going to have to see uh, Woodcroft's record over a more sustained period of time, but he did something to these Oilers. Um, I don't know what it was. I don't know if it was just, you know, you change the coach and the spark flies, but uh, that doesn't always happen. The Oilers have seen that not work. Uh, so, you know, I, I think there's something to uh, what Woody's doing with this team. And I'm very impressed. And I really am looking forward to seeing what he continues to do with them because that's an impressive tail end of the season. Um, it was an impressive playoff performance despite the, the sweep against Colorado. And yeah, uh, like I said, I'm looking forward to more. Yeah. And I have to eat a little bit of crow on that one. Cause I don't think I said it publicly necessarily, but, uh, I didn't think Tippett was the problem. I thought he was like a respected NHL head coach that, you know, couldn't do anything with an Oilers roster that a lot of coaches had trouble with. So when they changed coaches, I was like, well, here they go again, blaming the coach. Uh, but you know, Woodcroft came out and posted that record that you said, which I think is more than just a new coach bump. Um, we see that bump often with teams, but I think that what, whatever you said, 20 some odd wins, nine losses, that's a little bit more than uh, mm-hmm. that's going past a new coach bump. That's a little bit more than a couple weeks of good play. So he clearly found something there. I haven't watched the Oilers nearly enough to know what that was, but uh, yeah, good for him for clearly finding the right buttons to press. And uh, yeah, I, I assume he's an intern coach technically right now. I don't actually know that, but I I wouldn't be surprised if he's in the process of getting a contract right now with the Oilers. Mm -hmm. Yes. I I believe he was named interim head coach uh, when he took over in the season midway. And uh, yeah, that's definitely, I'm sure one thing on Holland's um, to-do list this summer is, is sign him to a a real coach deal. So hopefully he gets it. Like, I don't see why he wouldn't with the, with that. So yeah, there's a lot of big name coaches out there, but I do think that they will sign him and he deserves it. So yeah, I will do my scorn. Um, My scorn is for Tim Peel who's a retired referee. So, you know, 
he just can't keep himself out of doing stupid things, I guess. But uh, he retired, aka was asked to retire last season after uh, what some of you may remember as the the game management drama where he was overheard telling a player that he was essentially managing the game by calling certain penalties and he was essentially forced to retire. But unfortunately, he still has access to Twitter, uh, which is just not great for anybody. And after Evander Kane hit Kadri, uh, Nazem Kadri from behind into the boards, Tim Peel tweeted that, well, he tweeted one word and it was all caps and it was karma. And hmm. it's that's pretty embarrassing for someone who's still affiliated with the league, even though he doesn't work for them anymore. He refereed for them for a long time. And it's a bit of a generalization to say that, you know, look at how refs feel because this one ex-ref tweeted this. But I don't think it's a stretch to say that it kind of gives us insight onto how some of the refs might feel about certain players. And it's kind of scary to think that refs can be that biased against certain players. Um, And, you know, there's reasons to dislike the way that Kadri plays. Uh, He's been known to be a bit of a dirty player and he's a pest and he's been suspended in the playoffs before for doing dirty things. But that doesn't mean you can go on Twitter and say, you know, call a, a hit that injured him karma, especially mm-hmm. if you were at one time recently employed by the league and you were a referee, because that makes me think that other referees feel the same way. And that makes me think that there's some serious bias going on in the game. And that's not good because maybe that's not the case, but I think that this kind of enforces that there's a pretty big chance that that is the case. And that's not, that's not how I want to see my favorite sport officiated. So mm-hmm. um, my score is for making for Tim Peel making refereeing look bad and for being dumb enough to tweet something like that. Like, that's just so stupid. He should know. First of all, it's a terrible thing for a human to say, but he should also know how that looks. And yeah, he deleted it, but he was stupid enough to post it in the first place. And once you post something on the Internet, it's there and people have it forever, regardless of whether you delete it. So be better, Tim Peel. I think you're kind of just enforcing why you were asked to retire. It is not it is not looking great for his reputation. Yeah, totally agree. That's not something a human should ever do because another human was injured. And it, yeah, it just adds a whole nother level when you have a former professional referee who was, uh, you know, let go and disgraced. But still, <laughs> yep. <laughs> Well, uh, my scorn is the sports channels who are really stretching the need for certain particular statistics. And I'm talking (laughs) about the ones that are when they're talking about teams or goalies and they're facing elimination games, particularly when they're like, this team is seven and oh, when facing elimination this year. Well, of course they're seven and O because if that O wasn't an O, they wouldn't be playing, so we wouldn't be talking about them. Or they have a six 
game streak when facing elimination on the road. Well, yeah, again, of course, it's a streak when facing elimination. They're still in the playoffs. We know they haven't been eliminated. Just the wording <laughs> around this. I don't know. I'm just super nitpicky. I know this is silly. <laughs> but the, every time this stat comes up, either on a bubble, someone says it out loud. I'm like... Yeah, that is redundant. It's redundant wording, and it just drives me crazy for some unknown reason, probably because I'm already crazy. But anyways, <laughs> I'll, I'll, I digress. Oh, that's the end. Yeah, that's that's what I digress means. Okay. Well, I mean, I can add to that because, like, superfluous oh, yeah. stats and graphics are, I agree, are so annoying when they come up with stuff, especially when they're wrong. I've seen so many wrong stats. <laughs> right. Sportsnet Sportsnet had one about the last time the Flames were in the playoffs and they got it wrong. Like they, <laughs> they got, they were like the last time the Flames made it one around in the playoffs was 2004. It was like, no, they won in 2015. You're a sports station. You didn't have an intern check that before putting it on the air. Yeah. And I understand they're trying fun things to appeal to people watching, but having having like a thing that pops up that tells us how fast someone was skating or how long Evan Bouchard has been on the ice specifically. <laughs> and actually, it wasn't even that. It was they they had a tracker for Evan Bouchard's shot, and it was just him. Like they picked one person in each series. I, I think the other series was Zabinijad. They would just always, whenever they took a shot, they'd be like, that shot was 80 miles an hour. And it was just for that one player every time. And it was like, <laughs> okay, why did you pick this this one player? I don't understand. But I don't know. I just think it's kind of weird <laughs> just to build off of your initial score. And it's like, I understand you're trying things, but uh, maybe stick with the stats that people care about and have been proven to care about because I don't really care how fast... Uh, one oiler is shooting the puck constantly <laughs> yeah and i left my celly till last uh you know so we could be happy that's how i want this to work but my celly is actually for the stockton heat calgary's ahl affiliate um mm -hmm. i don't know if all flames fans are uncasual enough to follow the farm team and i definitely don't follow them very closely but they are actually in the playoffs and they are in the conference finals as it turns out they had a great year they were first in their division which is unusual for calgary's farm team usually they're not very good but uh this year they got some really good rookies some great young players a great goalie and they've made it all the way to the conference finals where they went down 3-0 which kind of seemed like the death knell, obviously, but they have taken the next two games from the Chicago Wolves and it made it a series. It's it's three two, um, so it's been pretty impressive to watch that team and see the young players that hopefully will be Flames in the near future and the resiliency that team is showing. It's really exciting as a Flames fan uh, to see how far they're going, and even if they lose in this series, it's still been an excellent season for them. But you know, it gives a lot of hope to see. You know, sometimes AHL teams can be made up of a lot of ex-NHLers or older players, and they're just out looking for a championship. Like, I believe in the Eastern Conference of the AHL right now, um, the the St. Louis's uh, farm team is being led by James Neal, 
which mm. is uh, <laughs> it's not really showcasing your young talent when you're getting performances <laughs> like that. But Calgary's team actually has been a lot like almost entirely younger players leading the way players that could potentially be flames. And uh, it's been really cool to watch the highlights and see how well they've been doing. So, and like, I think I said uh, last week, they're going to be moving to Calgary next year. So that's really exciting that they're a good team that we have a chance to see next year. So yeah, my sellies for the Stockton heat and their good season. It's been entertaining to watch. If you're a flames fan, entertaining to keep tabs on. Nice. Yeah. Hockey at all levels is fun. It's exciting. Sometimes it's more funny, but still hockey at all levels is great. And uh, love to see those newcomers uh, having success and working their way towards their ultimate dream of playing in the NHL. So we'll see what happens with those guys. Yeah. And they swept uh, the Oilers farm team in the playoffs. So (laughs) take that. We totally care. Thank you once again for listening to this episode of the Battle of Alberta podcast. You can visit our website at www.thebattleofalbertapodcast.com and we have all of our episodes up there if that interests you. So you can go and check that out. We will likely be back in a couple weeks. We have some conflicting schedules, which is making recording harder, but we will be back to talk about the end of the Stanley Cup final and we will be back to talk about what our teams look like in the off season. So be sure to stay tuned for those new episodes. So once again, thank you so much for listening. And we will catch you in the next episode of the Battle of Alberta Podca- podcast. <laughs> Nailed it. <laughs> Nailed it. Right up to me. <laughs>